bring John Kingston on in right now to talk a little bit about the continued topics of broker carrier liability and if this case is actually going to head up to the Supreme Court. John, thank you for being here. I feel like we've covered this topic from almost all sides now, besides from the judicial ju- judicial side itself. We've talked to Ann Rinke from TIA about this. We've talked to Matt Leffler about it from a legal perspective. Yeah. Now let's hear from you on your thoughts about this broker carrier liability and if it gets shot all the way up to the top court next year. Well, let, let's, get, let's just catch everybody up on what happens. So there have been several decisions, even at the appeals level, uh, regarding whether a broker is liable if it books company X, you know, carrier X, and something terrible happens. And in two of the cases uh, that are at question involved an injury or a death, and there's a case out there also um, involving a, a, a carrier, a, tr- a truck that was stolen. So most of the decisions on the appellate level have come down in favor of the broker not being liable for this under the idea that the Federal Aviation Administration Act, Authorization Act, the so-called F4A, preempts this from happening. However, there is another case out there, Miller versus Robinson, in the Ninth Circuit, which found that the the, uh, the broker, in this case C.H. Robinson, was in fact liable for, uh, I think it was not a death, but an injury that happened to Mr. Miller. Um, so Miller versus Robinson went to uh, went went up to the the Supreme Court for review or a re- request for a review, and it was denied. It was denied in the same week that AB five uh, also was denied. Well, since that time, you've had these two significant cases. You've had the Landstar case. Uh, which involved a, a truck that that Landstar broker that was stolen, and you had the Yi case, uh, a case where Global Trans uh, booked a truck, and uh, that truck uh, killed somebody on a motorcycle. Those two cases found that the broker was not liable. Miller found that the broker was liable. All these happened on the on the circuit on the full circuit decision, um, or not the full circuit, but the the appellate decision. So you've got a conflict here. So the fact that um, my, my recollection is that Miller versus Robinson did not have an obvious conflict. Um, and now you have very much an obvious conflict. You've got Miller on one side and these other two cases on the other. There's also a lower court decision out there handed down fairly recently that uh, that kept Coyote Logistics from being held liable for an accident. So uh, the widow of uh, the, the Mr. Yee, actually, actually, I guess her name is Yee, um, has requested uh, that Supreme Court review it. And now we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, you know, it may take till the end of June to find out whether the Supreme Court will actually take this up. But you do have the you do have the, the the kind of fertile ground for this in that you have conflicting appellate decisions. Yeah, we're, since we're going to have Matt Leffler on this uh, again later on in the week in a little bit, John. Uh, and I don't know if this is the right question necessarily asked, but uh, in terms of this from an overall perspective, you've got these different cases that were obviously argued and won or lost different ways. Uh, if this does get shot to the Supreme Court. What's the question that they're going to be asking? Is it is a, a broker a motor carrier? Are the two separate, or is F4A apply, applicable in these situations? What do you think if this goes to the Supreme Court? What's the question they're going to be asked to rule on? Yeah, well, you hit it on the head, and the question is the, within the F4A there is something called the safety exemption, and the exemption basically is that that you know a, a, a carrier or a, any kind of a motor vehicle, whether it's a motor carrier motor vehicle cannot be completely and totally reckless and then claim exemption uh, or protection under F4A. The question then becomes is, is a broker a motor carrier? And in the case of Yee, the lower court decision that was upheld by the appellate court, by the appellate court, is that since 
since uh, Global Trans is not a motor carrier, uh, it, they only book the motor carrier, carrier, they are, the safety exemption can't be invoked to kind of bring them in. That was not the finding in Miller. So just as you said, that will be the case. Can you, can you find that a broker is a motor carrier and therefore the, the safety exemption can apply to them? Um, you, you can't just act in a reckless manner because you're a carrier, even though obviously, you know, C.H. Robinson doesn't own trucks. It wasn't their trucks that, 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 that was in the accident. So, yes, that is going to be the key question if it does get to the Supreme Court. So, John, on that, maybe even getting a little bit more nuanced into that question as well. Obviously, you have brokers in this industry who are asset-based brokerages. You have brokers in this industry who are asset light. And at the end of the day, you could be both a brokerage that has its own assets but still chooses to broker freight out to other carriers if your own assets are tied up in the specific space. Do you think that we maybe even get more nuanced where you have to then divide up, okay, you maybe are a brokerage that has its own assets, but you operate your brokerage independently from your motor carrier and separate that out? Or or do you think that that's going to be too nuanced? I don't know. But as you point out, you know, any kind of sort of standard truckload carrier has a brokerage division. If the brokerage division puts freight into company X and company X goes out and drives in a reckless manner, or maybe just you know, whether it's reckless or not, uh, it ends up in a fatal accident, uh, does the, the, the safety exemption take into account the fact that they had a, an asset-heavy division with tractors and with trailers, et cetera, uh, or even though it wasn't that asset division that was involved in the accident? So I'm sure that would be one of the questions. Does the fact that you are, that the, the, if a brokerage has assets, uh, does the safety exemption not count with them, even if the uh, even if the accident did not take place with one of their trucks? It took place with a truck that was brokered uh, that was brokered into by some by their the brokerage division. John, are there any areas where this could perhaps not have an effect? In other words, obviously we're talking about. A, an accident involving a truck, but uh, you know the, the Supreme Court rarely rarely makes rules that are just completely broadly across uh, the, the the phase of an entire industry. At some point, are there areas of this that it may not be affected, no matter what way the Supreme Court does, or even if they agree to hear it? Well, I'm not really sure the question, but right now the way it stands is that the Ninth Circuit is the place where the Miller versus Robinson rule handed down. So that. That, that ruling, which basically finds that the broker is not protected by the safety exemption, that would be in effect in the Ninth Circuit. Um, the other two ones, the Landstar case and the Yee case um, involving Global Trans, would prevail in the circuits that they're involved in. I think it's the 7th and the 11th. What it also means is that all the other circuits that don't have a precedence here can pull on any of the, any of the writings that are out there. So they may turn to the Ninth Circuit, which is obviously very bad for brokers, or they could turn to the other circuits, which is much better for brokers. Uh, this is why you might need the Supreme Court to clear this all up so you get kind of a uniform ruling on uh, what the F4A does protect and what it does not. And so, John, of course, then the answer, the question is, you know, ripple effects downward in the industry, specifically in the brokerage space. Do we see this maybe in increased insurance rates or increased insurance amounts that brokerages are going to have to hold now if it comes down on the favor of not the brokerages? Or do we end up seeing it if it does come down in the favor of the brokerages where they say we kind of got off scot-free and we don't need to change our operations? Well, I, I don't set insurance prices, so I'm not sure of all the calculations and <laughs> data that goes into them, but I would think that any any kind of level of protection would be a plus for insurance rates, a plus in the sense of protecting brokers uh, from uh, from higher insurance rates. So it, it wouldn't have any impact. I can't imagine why it would have any impact on carriers. This does not affect carriers. 
So, John, just to wrap things up, I mean, obviously, if you have a disagreement with, between these district courts, then you would hope then that the Supreme Court would indeed take it. What's your odds on that they will take it next year? The odds are low because the Supreme Court gets many, many requests and uh, rejects the vast majority of them. Uh, it's a small percentage. So the odds are that they won't take it. But, boy, this does seem like one that they should. I mean, this is very clearly... Uh, this is not a minor thing. I mean, this is a this is a federal rule, the F4A, that's been in effect for 30 years, 30 plus years, that has a lot of impact on a lot of areas of transportation. As we know, uh, it was one of the it was it was the argument that led to the uh, the AB5 injunction that was in place for you know two and a half years, two and a half two and a half years, yeah, two and a half years, and which is still before the court. So I mean, I just I would think that that's clarifying what F4A does and what it does not do is an important is an important issue. Of course, all those other uh, lawsuits that are asking for review, they'll tell you that they're also really important too. So we'll see how it plans. I hope they review it because I want to go down and listen to the oral arguments. I think that would be exciting. I think it would be exciting as well. John, thank you for joining us this morning. And of course, we will keep up with you as this develops. Thank you. All right, we'll take a short break. Come back with Grace Sharkey in just a bit here on Front Waves Now. <laughs> 